All right, y'all, this is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounce. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Good morning. I'm going to get into it. I got a few things to talk about today. Uh, let's just run it down real quick. First and foremost, we will be discussing uh, the drama going on in Washington right now. Of course, the, the new movement, at least amongst the Democrats, is to push the impe- impeachment. Uh, however, there is some splits among amongst that movement there. We will talk about that uh, and really what the impact so far I think of Trump's presidency so far is and then also we will of course be getting to some sports I will be updating you guys on the NBA playoffs my Blazers done pulled it off again Dame is the true American sniper we're going to be getting to that uh, we'll be catching you guys up on these playoff series I'll be talking about the ones that have already wrapped up uh, just talking about you know what I think uh, what my final thoughts on them uh, what I'm what I see those teams the teams that won what I think they're going to be doing in the second round and I'll be also highlighting uh, tonight's round one action as well. We have a few uh, run round, uh, sorry, uh, round one games to go through as well. And finally, I will wrap everything up uh, with some NFL draft talk. I will be talking about some of the uh, some of the prospects you're looking, to, you're going to more than likely see uh, being picked on Thursday. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So we're just going to get right into it, of course. Uh, like I said, with the word on the street. And like I said, uh, the big move, the big movement now, especially with the Mueller report being released, at least like I said, amongst the Democrats. And there's uh, there's two uh, factions at, at play here. So we're going to break that down in just a second. But of course, uh, the big topic now is the impeachment of Donald Trump. Uh, of course, with the knowledge of the of the uh, well, of course, uh, we have the knowledge of of the well you do have some of the knowledge of what's in the Mueller report if you haven't seen it yet i'm not too sure if it's public just yet but if it gets made public i uh, will try to get some details for you guys and talk a little about it uh in detail i have not come across it yet but i believe it is out there in the ether it was supposed to be made available within the next couple of weeks uh within a, within about two weeks from when i originally started talking about it uh but the republicans have been uh being really coy about it of course uh william j barr actually read from it. he had his own synopsis of what he got from it uh, basically what of course we knew he was going to clear donald trump uh but the the special count uh the special counselor in which robert uh Robert Mueller was enlisted to do, it did not necessarily clear Trump from all, uh, well, he's not completely innocent. Uh, what we found out was, of course, we already know the elections were hacked. So that, that, that and foremost, it was hacked and it was rigged in Trump's favor. That we do know by Russian agents working with the Kremlin, that has already been established. Those people are starting to get locked up. We've already been, uh, actually, uh, apprehending Russian agents as we speak. I've already spoke on it uh, at least a year or so ago uh, with Maria Butina, so on and so forth. So we already know that presence is there. Now, now there was nothing uh, that I know of, at least, I, of course, I haven't read the report myself, but at least from uh, the even even you know even the house democrats cannot say that there is a specific uh there's a specific really any real evidence that he was involved in the actual colluding uh now however there's the obstruction uh that there's that obstruction now if there was if he had no uh, idea of the colluding if he had no participation in colluding why would he feel the need to obstruct why was there any obstruction on his part 
These are the things that I don't trust. These are the things that I need to have answered. And I, you can say what you want. Uh, he might not have been a part of the actual process because maybe he doesn't know how to hack or doesn't. he's not, you know, computer literate enough or, you know, a hacker to that extent or in know of all those things. Maybe he might not have done the actual actions. But to tell me uh, that something was rigged in your favor and you had no idea about it, I don't believe that. I, if he didn't do anything, he definitely knew that it was going to happen. And at the time, there was a deal in place. Now, I think that deal kind of fell apart when Trump eventually came office because I think he was just a, a, sl a slick, sleazy businessman to begin with, and he'll play anybody. I think he tried to play Putin. That's why they're in, the, in this situation now. And don't believe the hype. Don't don't fall all for the trap. Of course. Now, of course. Uh, there might have been some collusion, but don't think that they were all friends and these people all get along. I think there's an issue between both the countries right now. I think there was some type of agreement when it came down to the actual to the Russian collusion. Now I say the Russians colluded. Now there was some type of agreement. There must have been some type of agreement because it was carried out by the Russians. But that must have fell apart because now again, like I talked about, uh, the uh, breaking of the intermediate missile. A treat. So there, there is some drama, and I think it has. Some, and Russia's being really quiet about it. I think they're trying to see what we're going to do about it, and they're, and they're and believe me, they're plotting. But I know for a fact that you know we. Well, the knowledge is already out there. The facts are there. The election was colluded on by the Russians. Now, whether or not Trump was in on it or not. They could not figure out, but I don't see how you're not in on it or at least knowing about it if you were supposed to be the lucky party to receive the benefit of winning the election. That's me. Uh, but of course, like I said, this push for um, this push for impeachment is coming on the heels of all this uh, this new information that is in the Mueller report. Uh, but it's mostly being pushed by members of the Black Caucus and also the uh, Progressive Caucus of the Democrats as well. You have a uh, contingent of uh, actual moderate Democrats, uh, which is more where I lean on, which is now to the point where we've already pretty much had the two years. Let's let's ride it on out. Let's let, you know let's. Let the chips fall where they may and pick it up in the next uh, election. Let's try to get the House back. Let's try to get what well, we have the House. Let's try to get the Senate. Uh, therefore, let's try to at least uh, we, we have one more year to go. Let's see it through and let's try to just make sure whoever runs in 2020 has a solid shot to go against him. That's going to be the biggest issue for the Democrats right now, making sure somebody can can really, truly uh, go up against him in 2020 and have a, and have a decent shot at beating him. And uh, we're taking some L's right now. Of course, black people don't like Kamala Harris. Of course, you got the you got uh, people trying to drag out Mr. Joe Biden for whatever reason. Uh, so you have that right there. Those are the, the Democrats biggest concerns. That's why I am also a little bit more moderate uh, on this as well. I'm not I understand um the 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 depths of what happened of course the election was of course it was stolen but it happened in 2000 as well with uh, george bush and they weren't they for whatever reason it was more it was even more egregious then and they didn't uh they didn't impeach him so i think we're just gonna have to ride this one out and if you're smart and doing your homework you don't vote for trump again or if you that's your preference then well well gotta 
until it's a vote. So uh, <laughs> that's that's the most difficult thing here. But I have a quote here uh, from a Congress, uh, actually a representative here, Jared Huffman uh, from California. Uh, he went on to say, we cannot ignore it. We cannot wish it away. For some, this may be very, very difficult, uh, be a very, very difficult matter. This is why we have a House representatives, representatives and this is exactly, uh, absolutely uh, what our founders imagined uh, when a president did those sort did these sort of things. Uh, now, again, I get it, you know, and I, I, I mean, there, uh, these, uh, well, the big push now is to uh, invoke these, you know, these old, you know, of course, like he said, with the founding fathers. But again, here, um, he's already been in there for a year. And again, you can't necessarily prove the collusion. Now, that's not to say that he's innocent. I don't think that he's innocent. Of course, he obstructed. So that, in my opinion, that implies some guilt to me. The obstruction implies guilt to me, but you can't say, you can't pinpoint anything. Uh, of course, there's there's details they're not telling us. There's details that they decided that they weren't going to share with us. Of course, because remember, his buddy, William J. Barr, decided to make his own summary of it. And what he decided... Uh, was legal and not legal. So again, this has all been misinterpreted by different factions, different groups. I don't think he's going to get impeached. I think you need to let that go. Uh, if you're really that mad about the situation, I'd say come uh, November or next November, you vote for somebody different. And uh, if you like them, which I don't, I mean, I, I'm gonna keep it real. Like I, they can say all these things about the economy, uh, we already had the world's highest GDP that didn't slip under Obama. We already had a record-breaking economy. Matter of fact, uh, the Democrats had cleared the debt clock after Bill Clinton left. Uh, I, I, if uh, you know the facts are are there. Uh, Bush got it turned back on and led, led us to the recession. And for what it's worth, you could tell us Obama sold us hope, but he for sure as hell ended that goddamn recession. And uh, and I think Trump is reaping the benefit to that. I think uh, for for one, uh, for when we're talking about jobs, in my opinion, that has never been something that the government has any responsibility over or needed to preside over. We're talking about the issues of corporations. Corporations didn't want to hire you. That has nothing to do with Obama. That has, really has nothing to do with Trump. Trump. The corporations didn't want to hire you. And uh, for the simple fact that there's so many, there's, there's a low unemployment now, well, think about it. The jobs don't pay shit. The, the federal minimum, minimum wage is $7.25. Yeah, in California, they barely pay, they barely starting to pay us 15 but that's not enough to live. Uh, that's not enough to cover the cost of living in some of these places. So, yeah, so what? Everybody's working. They're not getting paid enough. They have to work multiple jobs if they're not working full time. They talk about college being the biggest scam. No, working is the biggest scam. I'm I'm sorry. I would never I would never want to spend my life for five years for for what for what for somebody to be to 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 pick and choose whether or not they want to give you a degree or or to give you a raise. Excuse me. I, I think that's stupid. I think people can do it part time, but. Or, or, you know, it depends on what you get into. And, and as far as the, the academics concerned, well, in California, this is a tech place. The tech companies have come. They've set up these shops. Well, that just tells you one thing. Go to school for tech. Go to school and learn something in computers. I'm working in media. That's what you do. You make podcasts. You you do computer oriented things. You learn video uh, cinematography. You learn uh, how to develop software. Maybe an app. You don't just sit there and go to school for agriculture. 
and live in a place like California, that makes no sense. If you want to, if you want to go to agriculture, go to Texas. If you want to, if you want a decent job, if you just want a, a job and just to work, go to Texas, go to Oregon, where you're not going to have to worry about anything. That's the issue. People go to school, for people, and then people, you got people wanting to get degrees, go to school for four years, get a degree, and they want to work a regular job. For what? You're better off making your own business. You're better off trying to find your own a career path. Jobs are bullshit. I, I, I think I think both parties uh, they like to push the word jobs. Oh, you can get a job, unemployment, this, that, and the other. They don't. Neither party pushes small business or real enterprise. In my opinion. I, I, I'm sorry, especially black enterprise. That's me. So I, I'm more. I'm more in. Uh, I'm, at this point, I'm learning to be more self-sufficient. That's what I like to be. I, I don't want the job or the section eight or none of that crap. Really, honestly. Uh, if and if I do have to work, I mean, in my opinion is this. <clears throat> That's how you know a lot of these classes. Again, I don't believe in the inflation that's supposed to be coming with a rise in in uh in a in a in a federal minimum wage. I think that's BS. I think the problem is if we gave people more money, if the government gave people more money, there'd be more money out that's produced, more money that people have, more money that they can't control. People can afford things. They don't want that. They'd rather you be in debt, whether you're working, whether you're, whether you're paying off the student debt, whether you got to work two or three jobs just to make ends meet. That's kind of how I see both both parties trying to play a stupid game. Sorry. One wants to use social, one wants to, you know, play on your social, your heartstrings, one wants to play on the fact that you, you want more money. Well, get money. Don't get taxes. Low tax this, low tax that. Yeah, but your corporations are poisoning you every day with the pollution. They don't want to stop their pollution. They don't want to account for that. So their factories are producing more CO2 and stop with the climate change hoax. <clears throat> the corporations run your country. <clears throat> right now you've allowed Donald Trump to be at the head he's taking money from environmental protection agencies he's very neutral when it comes to matters of race I'm sorry this is the, this is the 21st century I think Donald Trump is an old relic he's not he's not different he hasn't changed the mold he just happened to become president and I'm not I'm not I'm not super juiced about it i'm not i mean a year two year three uh three years in uh, it's it's been a lot of twitter it's been a lot of just media bites but i don't feel i don't see the substance in which he got anything done i don't i don't see it uh betsy devos and his his, uh, his chief education supervisor of the country they decide to raise up rates and keep people out of school so fuck him. And then he gonna tell his school's a trap, but working is a trap. They keep the federal minimum wage low. Fuck y'all. Y'all can't afford to live off these jobs. So I think it's bullshit. You know, yeah, he died this bullet. Sure, they couldn't really find him with Kalu. He's still not that great of a president. And we could argue about this all day. He's overrated. I'm sorry. He hasn't done a damn thing. He's just been a beacon for certain demographics of people. Sorry, that's the best that I can tell you. And it just highlights this and he just falls right into the, the liberal media's hands.
So all the liberal media is just pushing. We're just pushing two different dynamics. We got two different sets of people that don't get along because of these stupid parties. And, you know, that's why we're all broke. That's why we're all we all can't live necessarily that great. Doesn't matter what race or really what party you voted for. Republican states are some of the worst and impro- some of the most impoverished states out there, just like Democratic cities. So there you go. Without either one of them done, not a damn thing. Have you seen West Virginia? West Virginia has been voting Republican since ever. Have you seen them lately? Yeah, that's what I thought. You can sit there and look at Chicago and say, yeah, well, yeah, Chicago votes Democrat and look at all the crime there. Well, then, niggas shoot each other in Chicago. Niggas don't want to stop shooting each other in Chicago. That should be, instead of blaming, you know, I mean, instead of waiting on these governments, I mean, maybe you hijacking yourself or, you know, police your own, govern your own community first. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, Trump hasn't, hasn't done it. He hasn't been the answer. Uh, you know, and I think that's what people were were looking for when they voted for him. They were looking for some type of change because, oh, it wasn't a quote-unquote politician. But it's clear he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And this is not a Fortune 500 company. They'll, they'll try to say it, and that's the problem. This is why this country is is looking the way it is on the world stage. stage. Instead of be, if it being run like a country with an actual constitution, it's being run like a business. We're all we're all employees. So think on that. Think on that in the next coming years and the election and and all that. Think about that. I'm going to take a quick break. y'all. When I come back, we're going to talk some NBA basketball courts. We got the playoffs on deck. We're going to be going over last night's action and we're going to be coming up. We're going to be getting up to date on these on all these first round series in general. So I will be right back. All right, y'all, I am back. Like I said, we're going to get into these playoffs a little bit. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, last night's action. Uh, we're going to start off with the Magic and the Raptors. The Raptors got the win in this one, 115-96. They win the series 4-1. to one. Let's break down the stats. For the Magic, they were led by DJ Augustine. He had 15 points, 4 rebounds. Terrence Ross also provided 12 points and 4 rebounds as well. For the Raptors, of course, Kawhi, uh, had a, he had a pretty good game. Uh, led all the scores. Let all scores with 27 points. He also had seven rebounds and two assists. Pascal Siakam also had 24, six rebounds and also four, uh, re- uh, four assists. And then uh, Kyle Lowry also did his thing: 14 points, nine assists, and also four rebounds. For Orlando, this was a poor shooting night from them, uh, and this was pretty much the factor. The last two games they've been struggling with shooting, uh, but this game in particular they went 38, uh, 38.6% from the field. They also went 26.5% from three-point line and uh, Orlando also had six turnovers. So again, you know, sloppy game from them. They really didn't shoot well. Toronto also scored uh, 50 points in the paint. So they had a balanced offensive attack. Uh, Kawhi, of course, played some phenomenal defense. And a lot of the uh, Orlando, like the first game uh, in the series, a lot of people, you could tell just kind of how through the course of the, the, the playoff series, just how the, the better team just will always shine out. But in the first game, uh, the Magic were really feeling it. A lot of people had uh, multiple double-digit, uh, a lot of players had double-digit figures. Uh, but, but during the course of the season, that shut down. A lot of shooting percentages across the board went down for a lot of these players, and it showed up, and they pretty much got swept throughout the rest of the series. Uh, it should, in my opinion, this should have been another sweep. Uh, I don't think Orlando, uh, I know they finished the season 500, uh, t- uh, 
but uh, I, I just didn't think they were on uh, the level yet of Toronto. Of course, uh, they got the they got the good win. I think it's it's good that they got it. Uh, it's, it, it, you got to see how they got it. They got played a lot of team basketball. A lot of people got hot in that first game. Uh, so that's something to work on in the next season. Uh, but again, this should have been a sweep in my opinion. Uh, Toronto just took their time. I mean, they just let one go. Um, Orlando got lucky at home. That's the best that I can say it uh, on that series. Uh, but the Raptors will be moving on to face the Sixers in the next round. That will be an interesting one. I'm a little bit on the fence uh, right now. I feel as though um, Kawhi is a is a good reason to why I would lean towards the Raptors. And just looking at the way that Siakam has been playing, I can. I can kind of side with the Raptors, but I'm not 100% on Kyle Lowry. And uh, outside of uh, maybe Serge Ibaka, I'm not too sure where the depth is. Uh, in terms of the Sixers, they got a whole starting five that's really solid. Uh, you know, from the point guard uh, to Ben Simmons, you also got Embiid in there as well. You also got Jimmy Butler, who can who can start as well. You also got, you know, uh, J.J. Redick coming off the bench. So it's, in my opinion, oh matter of fact, J.J. Redick is starting. Uh, you also got Tobias. Harris, I can get action there as well. So, mm, I I, I, I want to lean toward the Sixers only because I just feel like they got a lot more depth than the Raptors. Look for an upset. I got to go for an upset. I like the way uh, Philly is. Philly plays. They really get in. They really get into the game. Uh, I saw that with the Brooklyn series. Um, yeah, I, I like the way I like the way that the Sixers play together. They they play some of the best team basketball, and I, I, they they feel more uh, just like along the lines of like the Blazers as well. They feel like a team. They feel like a team that's played together a lot. They like each other, and they're willing to go the extra the extra mile for each other. Um, definitely. Uh, speaking of which, let's break down the uh, the Sixers game. They were also able to win that series against the Nets, one twenty two to one hundred. Again, this is one of those series that I thought should have been a sweep. Uh, the Nets just happened to to still won a game two after being blown out in game one. Uh, they are a scrappy bunch again. Uh, Spencer Ben Spencer Dinwiddie did a lot coming for them. Uh, did a lot uh, coming off the bench for them. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is maturing as we speak. So uh, a lot of positives. But again, you know the Sixers were just a better team. But let's break down the stats here. Karis Levert had 18 points. Uh, he was a leading scorer. Actually, no, Rondé Hollis Jefferson was a leading scorer with 21 points. Karis Levert also had four assists and also three rebounds. As for uh, Hollis Jefferson, he had two rebounds as well, He and that was coming off the bench. Uh, Rodion's Karukas, I'm sorry, uh, Rodion's Karus, he also had 14 points and seven rebounds coming off the bench. Uh, for the Sixers, Joel Embiid, uh, he actually led all scores with 23 points. He also had 13 rebounds, so a solid double-double from him. Ben Simmons also had 12 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. So, actually, to prove Jared Dudley's point, kind of average. I'm just saying, in a closeout game like this, but again, they got the blowout win, but uh, Jerry Dudley is kind of right. Ben Simmons, unless it's the fast break, he's kind of one-dimensional. He doesn't really have a have a, have a have shooting range or just any touch necessarily just yet. He's still young. Like, it's relatively, it's, I think it's his second full season. So, you know, he'll he'll get there. Uh, but breaking this one down, again, it's a poor shooting night from Brooklyn. 38.7% from the field. Uh, Philadelphia had 56 rebounds. So they were just dominating on the on the, uh, on the glass, getting extra possessions, uh, 
pushing the ball up the court. And also, they also spread the ball around, too. They had 35 team assists. So, like I said, this team plays pretty well together. I'm looking for that breakout game from Jimmy Butler because he's always, you know, trying to make the, the sound bite. He's made a couple sound bites during the season, of course, and during the playoffs. And I'm just waiting for him to have that standout game. He hasn't really impressed me so far. And I give him so much harshness because he's like, He's like my twin brother because we have the same last name. You know, I'm not saying that we're related and he would probably even like me. But, you know, I feel like, dude, like, you control all the headlines sometimes. You have this, you have this, you know, attitude about you. I want more than nine points, dog. Just saying. You just showed up and just kind of put in nine points. But you, yeah. All right, moving on. We got the Spurs and the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets got the win in this one, 108-90. They take the 3-2 uh, series lead so far. Uh, for the Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, pretty much led the way for them. Uh, 17 points, 10 rebounds. DeMar DeRozan also had 17 points, and he put in four rebounds. For the Nuggets, uh, they got help from Jamal Murray, of course. He's been emerging through these playoffs, learning as he goes along. 23 points, 7 assists, and also four rebounds. Nikola Jokic continues to... to and well, you know, play really good basketball. Another double double here. Sixteen points, eleven rebounds. He also had eight assists. We so almost had a triple double. Uh, taking uh, some takeaways from this one, the Nuggets had a fifty percent field goal percentage, so they really came in in the clutch. Um, they didn't miss. They didn't miss a whole lot. And they also uh, even Will Barton, uh, who struggled throughout the series, he also had seventeen points and I think six rebounds. So even he uh, did a little bit better. Uh, I think the Nuggets are looking to take the series, but do not count the Spurs out. You know, Popovich just has a good basketball mind. Uh, but in this one, uh, it was pretty much all all Nuggets kind of. They pulled it out near the end. It got close, of course. Uh, you know, as you can tell by the final score. But the Nuggets did just enough to pull it off, and uh, I thought it was a pretty good. I, kinda, I thought it was a pretty good game from them. Uh, it looks more like one of those games before a, a close. I think they're getting ready to close the close the door on the Spurs, but we'll see. We'll see if they lose that game six. I think it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be in San Antonio. It creates an interesting situation for Game Seven though. So um, although I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Nuggets, I would not be surprised if the Spurs do pull it off and pull the Game Seven. Now finally in the big game, in the most important game of the night, in my opinion, uh, the Blazers uh, go out on top against the Thunder. Yes, yes, they did with a last second shot for your man, the American, the true American sniper, Damian motherfucking Lillard. Uh, 118 to 115 is the final score there. Of course, the Blazers win the series, like I said, 4 to 1. Uh, let's break down the stats. Paul George had 36 points, 9 rebounds. He also had 3 assists. Westbrook did not have a bad game. Actually, the Thunder played a hell of a game. Um, it, we needed that last shot. Uh, as much as Paul George is going to say it was a bad shot, I'll get into that in a second as well. But Dame took the shot that was gonna, that, that we needed to have. Uh, you don't know how things go in overtime. So he took it He took it upon his hands. And I'll get into more about how I feel about that shot in just a second. Dennis Schroeder also did his thing with 17 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds. Uh, he had a he had a decent game as well. Uh, also, uh, Ferguson uh, and also Jeremy Grant played a factor as well. I don't think they had as many points as these guys, but they they made some clutch plays. They had me mad, so that's how I know that they had a good effect on the game. For Blazers, uh, Lillard of course he had a monster game. Fifty point seven rebounds, six to six. He becomes the Portland Trailblazers all time uh, leading three point scorer. Congratulations uh, from Oakland. Uh, 
the place that I was born. Uh, he's from, you know, he played on my favorite basketball team, uh, one of my favorite, my, my second home, uh, my Blazer team. I, I like the performance, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen by somebody who played the jersey, and that is including Clyde Drexler. He has surpassed Clyde Drexler. He is the ultimate Portland Trailblazer. We can argue this tomorrow, today. I don't, I don't care. But he's the ultimate, the best, the number one Portland Trailblazer I've ever seen in my life, and I've been a fan since 1994. Uh, yeah, yeah, just just phenomenal game. He carried the team throughout. Uh, he did score 34 points in uh, the first half. Uh, only had 16 in the second half, but again, they were crucial points, and that's all that mattered. When he when we needed him, he made him. Uh, just like with that last shot, uh, CJ he had 17 points, two assists, and two rebounds. Uh, he struggled a little bit uh, throughout the game. He had um, he made he missed quite a few shots and he got into foul trouble too. Uh, but one takeaway that I will give the Thunder, uh, which is why I think they played a hell of a series. For what it's worth, Billy Donovan knows his basketball. Uh, he broke down uh, kind of what CJ did in the second half, and I was like, dude, like you you kind of know basketball, dude. I don't know why y'all struggle. I mean, y well y'all took his. I mean, yeah, they took us to the limit. So I mean, he knows his basketball, but he kind of he kind of summed up CJ's game. Like, yeah, he did struggle in the beginning, uh, but when it came down to the end, he made some some really good shots at the rim. Uh, he converted when it you know when it kind of counted in those those pressure moments, and uh, and just the way he broke those situations down. I understood his basketball mind. I understand. I kind of respected his coaching. Uh, Mo Harkless uh, also had 17 points and seven rebounds. So again, that got some help from some outside outside of the two. Uh, as long as Portland is getting help from Cantor, Mo Harkless, they can't be stopped. If you can if you can get Harkless, Cantor, and Aminu going on any given night, we don't need an Evan Turner sometimes. But if you can get if you can get Mo Harkless and Aminu and and cancer going i think we're we can give anybody problems uh we definitely can uh some takeaways from this game uh, the thunder did shoot better than uh better than us from the field and from three uh they shot uh 54.7 percent from the field they also shot 44 percent uh from three i'm sorry 46.9 percent from three compared to us at 44 uh, from the field and also 37 percent from the three-point line but again we made one more three-point a three-pointer than them now with the game winner so there you go blazers also led in rebounds 45 to 35 uh, 45 to 39 they also had 10 offensive rebounds so that's extra point that's pretty much an offensive rebound is either a put back uh, easy you know a easy pass out to to get another possession so uh, another possession another we had more shots at opportunities at points although uh oklahoma started to cut down on that in the second half uh specifically particularly in the latter half of the, of the third quarter when they went on a 30 to 6 run that had me hot. I almost thought we were going to lose the game with that shit. Uh, Blazers also forced eight steals, and they came in perfect timing. Uh, a couple of them came in the final quarters. Uh, I think C.J. McCollum, he also got one stripping Paul George. Uh, Dame Little, like I said, set the franchise record for st for threes. And again, I, I do respect Billy Donovan's mind. Um like I said, I, I heard him break down certain aspects of the game, and I really respect his his basketball IQ and his basketball mind. I'm trying to figure out what the next step for them in the OKC Thunder would be, though. Um, it's kind of disappointing uh, because for whatever for whatever is for for what it's worth, as knowledgeable as he is about the sport, in my opinion, for whatever reason, Russell Westbrook it doesn't 
it doesn't uh, work with him. Uh, I think Russell uh, Westbrook had a good game in certain spots, but he he did take a lot of different shots that he didn't need to necessarily take, and uh, it led to those rebounds that Portland was able to get. So again, you got Russell taking that that extra step that he doesn't need to. He's not relying on his teammates. Um, in certain spots. Now, he, he did a lot better job of, of trying to be consistent in this game, trying to rely on Paul George. Uh, like I said, Jeremy Grant got involved as well. They got some they got some bench production, some big threes out of those guys. And uh, it, it led to them getting going on the 30-6 to six run. But, again, you know, it just falls apart for some reason. And I don't know if it's coaching. Uh, I don't know if they just got – I mean, maybe they just got outplayed. Uh, but this puts, in a, this puts uh, Russell Westbrook in a very uh, peculiar si- uh, situation because you're going to start looking at his legacy. You're going to start looking at, well, really how good is he and how really effective are the triple-doubles. How effective, How important is it to be uh, you know, productive in all of these realms? Uh, we're starting to see that. I mean, because in my opinion, uh, all the superstars that I've seen, you know, for what it's worth, you know, they, they might be a jack-of-all-trades to, to an extent, but it's that one thing that they do the very, very best. And what is it that Russell Westbrook does that's the very, very best or better than a lot of other people? We already know that Dame has – what I'll give you uh, a difference between – what Dame and, and, and Steph Curry have is for, for Steph Curry, he has volume three-point shooting. He has very accurate uh, three-point shooting. Uh, what Dame has is he has long-range three-point shooting. He's very accurate from 30 to 32, even 35 feet. So that's what they have. Uh, you look at some of the greatest players, you know, even some more of the greats. Uh, even you look at uh, Kevin Durant. He's a scorer. That's what he's known for, you know, being able to take it inside, take it outside. A very phenomenal jump shot. So, you know, even LeBron, uh, jack of all trades. He, I mean, he is the only uh, quintessential jack of all trades player. But still, there's so he's at least he's given something for his physicality. Again, there's nothing that really distinguishes Russell Westbrook but the triple double. And again, I don't really see where it's sustainable basketball. Uh, I've I've come to that point, and uh. And I don't want to take shots, but I'm going to do it now. I don't think James James Harden plays sustainable basketball either. We'll find out more about them in the second round when they face the Warriors. Uh, but just to get you guys uh, up to date on the rest of the playoff series, of course, uh, the other day uh, we had the uh, – Pacers, I'm sorry, the Celtics winning out that series against the Pacers. They won that game 4 1 to 106. Of course, Kyrie is coming. Oh, Kyrie is emerging. Uh, they're going to be looking to play Milwaukee in the second round, who's able to, you know, of course, sweep Detroit. 127 to 104 was that final score in that game for there. Uh, of course, uh, the Bucks and the, the, the Celtics this is their second time going at each other in the second round. Uh, in the in a row now, so this is gonna be a, a very interesting series. Uh, Kyrie is is healthy. Uh, the 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 original Boston squad is there to some extent, and for what it's worth, the the Bucks are a lot better than they were last year. So again, this is a one. This is one that I'm a little bit on the fence about. Uh, but I I, I like. I like the Bucks. I do. I like uh, the only thing about Giannis is he doesn't have that three-point shot yet. He doesn't have that stroke yet uh, from mid-range yet, just yet. But I still like the way they just kind of they make the team work around him, and he can actually still uh, perform well in that offense. And he makes plays in that offense to offset the fact that he can't shoot. So that gives him a factor there. Um, I think the Celtics, they got a lot of ego issues going on. Uh, I think it didn't show up with the Nets, I mean, with the Pacers, excuse me, because the Pacers suck. 
at the moment without Victor Oladipo. That's just that's just what it is. Um, but I don't think they're ready for a real complete team that's actually good. So we'll see. Uh, you know, for a seven-game series for that, we'll see. And uh, finally, uh, the Rockets. Uh, they had their they had their game for with the Jazz. They lost that one, ninety-one to one hundred seven. Uh, again, this is why I don't trust James Harden when the game is on the line. He looks me down every time. Uh, Ninety uh, again. Uh, he had a poor. For, performance, poor shot selection, poor decision making, and this is just what happens when he's in the playoffs. I don't know when it's going to happen again. He's liable to win this series. I think that that series is on, on tonight. That game is coming on tonight as well as the Golden State series. That'll be coming on tonight. Golden State, again, an easy series that should have been a sweep, just like the Rockets. They should have swept the Jazz, but here we are. Um, the worst case scenario for both of these teams is that they both take a L's. They both take L's and, uh, well, actually, the Actually, I would say the worst case scenario for either team is for one of them to take an L and another one to win out tonight. Uh, again, because that, that just means more time that they don't have to rest. Uh, but the worst case scenario would be if both teams lose because I don't want to see neither one of these series no more. I'm tired of seeing the Jazz. We already know just how good they're going to be. We already know what their ceiling is at this point. And the same uh, with the Clippers. We kind of already know they're not that great. So let's not let's not keep these things going longer than what they need to be, y'all. Come on. Let's wrap this up, guys, tonight. Come on, guys. All right. I'm going to take a quick break, y'all. And when I come back, like I said, we're going to break down the draft. Um. Yeah, we'll be right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all. I am back, of course. I'm going to break down this draft a little bit. It will be tomorrow. Check your local listings, of course. Um, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to really talk about where exactly these people are going to go, per se, because, honestly, it just takes one pick in the draft, and everything changes. People switch up. So it's never... It's usually never how I predicted, so I don't really feel the need to predict. Uh, what, I will, what I will do is kind of break down uh, some of the more prominent picks in the draft. I may take a stab at where they might go based on their fit. Uh, but, again, we're just going to break down some of the top picks. Of course, we're going to start off with the first, the number one overall pick. Uh, you got Kyler Murray. Uh, he led all passes last year, of course, in terms of yardage, over 4,000 yards. He also had about 40 touchdowns as well. He is the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, so he has that pedigree going uh, with him. Uh, now, the question is, of course, you have the Cardinals there. Uh, the Cardinals want to take a shot at him, of course, because, you know, Josh Rosen did not pan out. Uh, uh, but in my opinion, I feel as though uh, I've done a lot of, uh, from what I've heard and what I've learned pretty much about uh, what they do at Arizona or what Cliff Kingsbury is trying to do is, uh, well, basically, any of those quarterbacks could work in that system, whether it be Kyler Murray or Josh Rosen. Now, the reason why I, I'm not so high on Kyler Murray at one is just because you know, a lot of this is flash. I mean, a lot of this is based off of one season. Uh, again, it's based off an of offense that we haven't really seen be developed really quite well in the NFL. Uh, of course, you see Baker Mayfield kind of pulling it off, uh, but again, uh, that's that's the exception to the rule. I don't think that Kyler. I mean, I think they do have similar skill sets, but again, 
I think the more the the more the defensive and defensive coordinators pretty much understand it, uh, they'll get better. I think we'll start. I think it's starting next year. You'll see even a regression with Baker Mayfield's play because I think the NFC, NF, I'm sorry, the AFC North is just that great defensively. Uh, he won't be as dominant. So I, I don't. I don't think he comes in and wows anybody. That being Kyler. Um, and I think he. I mean, I almost thinks uh, think because this defense. I mean, these defenses turn turnaround of these defenses is pretty quick. He might not. He might even struggle off the gate. So I don't think uh, Arizona is the best place for him to go to at the moment. They don't have any offensive line, and yeah, he can run around a little bit, but. I don't think you need to be under that under under that duress as a young quarterback that completely would rattle. I can see that completely rattling his composure on a constant basis. So I don't really see him being accurate if he's not going to have an offensive line uh, again. And, and also the thing about the Texas Tech offense is you also got to worry about David David Johnson, the running back as well. Uh, they don't first of all they don't run the ball a whole lot, and then on top of that, they not it's not even necessarily like they use a running back in all cases. Uh, you know, it certainly wasn't like. That under the Mike Leach system in which Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is pretty much a product of, and he really did not emphasize a whole lot of passes to running backs in his college time as well. Uh, you really didn't see too many running backs getting a thousand yards receiving, uh, and of course they really really want a thousand yard rushers at Texas Tech either. So again, you gotta you know there's a lot of questions there. Uh, to, to be said, I really wasn't a fan of the Cliff Kingsbury hire to begin with. Uh, so, again, I, I mean, I, I think uh, definitely Kyle Murray is a first round talent. I don't know. I just don't think he's a first round pick specifically to that team. Uh, I could even see him going to New York where he can actually have a chance to develop his skills, get a chance to sit behind somebody uh, or or just have a better offensive line, a better, you know, somewhat of a better offense with you know, capable receivers, younger receivers. Uh, they also have a capable tight end there, and they can. All, they're also building an offensive line there as well, and they have a running back. So they, I mean, they don't have to necessarily rely on him to pass the ball, even if he would have to play. So I, I would rather see him go to New York. Uh, there is the, there is a possibility he goes to Oakland. I don't like that. Uh, I think I think that is really. Uh, I don't think that works. I don't think that that works with the offense that we do uh, in Oakland. I don't I don't trust them to be honest. I like I like Derek Carr and I'm a, I'm gonna always ride with Derek Carr. I think given the best circumstances, uh, he led us to a super. I mean, he not to a super bowl, but he led us to our first playoff burst in about 15 years. So I gotta side with that. Uh, moving on, you got so you also got some defensive gems out there. Uh, you got uh, Brian Burns uh, from Mich. I'm sorry, from Florida State. Now he's one of the top uh, pass rushers coming out of the ACC. Uh, I think he led in sacks as well, uh, but definitely a solid pick for anybody like a Oakland or anybody uh, that's looking for uh, any type of edge rushing. Maybe even the Packers. They they do have him going uh, to the Packers at twelve. Uh, he might even go a little bit before then, just just depending on the, the needs of of a team. Uh, I also like Josh Allen as well, uh, especially for my Raiders. We definitely need a solid uh, pass rusher. We only had 16 sacks as a set. I think 16, maybe even actually, thir no, 13 sacks as an entire team last year. And Jared Ash Allen also had... Uh 
basically had 17 on his own uh, last year playing for Kentucky. So we definitely, uh, as as the, as the Raider as a Raider fan, I definitely see the need uh, to provide some offensive help as well. I mean, some some, some pass rushing help as well. Uh, as far as other quarterbacks go, of course you got Will Greer uh, coming out of West Virginia. Uh, the second, I think, the second top passer uh, in the nation last year in terms of yardage uh, and completion percentage. Uh, but again, I think one of the bigger, I think. Another sleeper at the quarterback position is also Drew Locke. Uh, he had a uh, well during the course of the of last season they switched offensive coordinators on him at Missouri, so his numbers weren't all the way there. Uh, but he does have a huge cannon of an arm. Uh, definitely somebody who can drive the ball down the field. Again, I don't think a lot of these quarterbacks are game one ready for next year in the NFL. I think they so a lot of them will be uh, would do very well sitting behind somebody like here, uh, possibly Dwayne Haskins. Uh, even Dwayne Haskins, there's a lot of even even though he has a more uh, pro suited offense, he likes that he can dink and dunk ball down the field. He's not going to necessarily uh, take too many chances and throw erratic uh, footballs or or you know take too many chances in the pocket. Uh, even I, even there with him, I don't think he's mentally ready because the pace of this game is just so it's just so different. Uh, I, I don't think people are ready. I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be ready. This is one of those few uh, drafts where I'm like, mm, I mean, these guys are good. Uh, these guys are these guys are good, but I don't know if they're uh, game one material, uh, just game one starter. Uh, ready. Uh, as far as some offensive linemen go, you also got Jawan Taylor. Uh, the uh, the league is very high on him. They got him uh, stated as a number nine pick, so that would make him go to the Bills. Uh, but they definitely do need an offensive line. Of course, they still have their quarterback, Josh Allen, not to be confused with the edge rusher from Kentucky, uh, but their starting quarterback, Josh Allen, does need help. This is his second year, uh, and we've seen where he can we can he can do some things. So uh, maybe it'll be right to beef up that old line. They did give up a lot of sacks last year. Uh, he in, did end up getting hurt last year, too, because of that. So a uh, good look on them to probably pick up an offensive lineman. I would either go with him uh, or also Andre Ballard out of uh, Washington State. He's faced He faced the most uh, pass-blocking opportunities last year uh, because that's all they pretty much do at Washington State is pass the ball. So all he had to do was pass, you know, pass block. So he's probably one of the best ones there. But there is, of course, questions about his running uh, block, run blocking, of course, because they don't run the ball at Washington State, but he's a good size, fairly good size. Uh, he's over 300. He's about 6'7". Six, uh, six, uh, so big guy there uh, plugging up plugging up the right tackle, splash the left tackle spot. So uh, look for him to go high as well. So, all right, y'all, of course, the, the draft is tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be on NFL Network, of course. Uh, but, um, yeah, it should be it should be a great draft, of course. There's a, I mean, hopefully my Raiders are doing their homework. Uh, there's also a possibility, of course, uh, we were high on uh, Jared Allen, uh, the pass rusher. There's a good possibility, possibility the Jets could get him. Of course, there's been a lot of talk about us getting Quinn Anna, uh, Williams, uh, the, the defensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, that's going to be with our first, uh, fourth, uh, fourth pick. Uh, but we're also high with our subsequent first round picks if they're available. We were also high on one of the tight ends, either Noah Gant or. 
either TJ Hawkinson too. Both of those guys can stretch the field. We use the tight end a lot in our offense, so I think it would be a good uh, decision to add a, another another pass catcher to help out uh, Andrew Luck. All right, y'all. So I'm gonna call it a quick. Uh, I'm gonna call it a wrap for today. Uh, when I come back, I will be giving you guys part three of my California immigration series. Uh, this time, I'll be breaking down a little bit more of Mexican California. Uh, basically, uh, what led to California uh, more to Mexican independence, a little bit more to that. Uh, also, we will lead actually not only Mexican independence but California independence as well. Uh, we will also be laying down uh, the roots and the causes of the Mexican-American War. All right, y'all, so I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. If you are looking to get in touch with me, I am on Facebook. You can look up the, uh, the actual Facebook page now, Never Out of Bounds. Please do that. Uh, I am also on Instagram as well. That is L Jamal Johnny E L J A M A H A D J A N I. I'm also on the Snapchat as well. Hit me up there at J Butler. You can also hit up my email at E L J B 75 at gmail.com. Once again, that is E L J Butler, excuse me, E L J Butler 75 at gmail.com. Of course, this is your man L Jamal. You are listening to Never Out of Bounces, the place where your Second Amendment is protected. And y'all have a good one. Peace out. One love.